Welcome to the IOD's Director Role Model Podcast. In this podcast, we will be undertaking a series of interviews with IOD members as part of our Role Model Program. Hello, my name is Hugo Lee. I am the Media and Communications Lead for the IOD. In this podcast, I'm talking to Delroy Beverly. Delroy is the regional chair of the IOD in Yorkshire and the Northeast. He has more than 25 years of business and executive leadership experience spanning housing, business and government, and is currently the managing director of the York NHS. Hello, Delroy, and welcome to the podcast. Uh, thank uh, you for joining me. Hello, and thank you very much for having me during um, a really, a really important time in terms of black history. And um, one of the principal reasons for me doing this and having this discussion with you is because it's Black History Month. And I just think uh, in light of the George Floyd um, uh, knee in the neck moment, which I feel was a game changer in terms of social and cultural diversity. Um, so I'm trying to do as much as I can in Black History Month to to really demonstrate um, the really positive things that people of colour, people of difference are making to society. So I'm really pleased to be here. Well, we're delighted to have you as well. Um, clearly, you've had a highly successful career, um, which we'll explore in more detail um, through the podcast. But can I start by asking you how you got started in your career? Um, I, I see my career having started as a 11-year-old boy. Um, back in the early 80s, um, I was very fortunate to have secured myself a paper round. And um, in, 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 some, in some bizarre way, that instilled in me um, a discipline, a discipline of having to get up um, really early in the morning, because I used to do, have a morning round and an evening round. So I was up out delivering papers at 630 I understood the importance of customer interaction. So quite often if you delivered the wrong paper, that would be fed back to the news agent. So, so that really ignited um, an interest in service and, and service delivery. Um, I was then fortunate at the age of, I might have been 14 actually, to have secured a milk round. Well, my word, uh, you were in the big time then because you suddenly went from £1.25 pence a week to suddenly getting £10 a week. But you were up at 3.30. You were in the dairy for 4 o'clock. You were delivering milk right up to 8.30 before you went to school. And, you know, back then, London, milk round, a 90-gallon milk round, that was significant. So you were really, really working. And that's where I got a, an interest in a, and a taste of finance, because on a Friday evening, myself and the milkman, we'd go out to all these customers collecting money. Mm -hmm. So we'd have delivered the milk and we wanted to collect the money. So same principles apply. Customer service, customer excellence, finance, financial transaction, interaction. And I suppose that sparked in me an interest in in business. I didn't know what, you know, I sit here today as a, an older man than I was then, but it, it really sparked an interest in business and, and, and that really encouraged 
uh, an academic career around finance and then so on. So, so obviously it instilled a work ethic, presumably. Getting up yeah. at 3.30 in the morning, yeah. you know, that's not many people have the... <laughs> not at 14. Yeah. Not well, at 14. And, you know, term, in terms of your aspirations then, mm. clearly you talked about... Um, future in business you know can you remember back to you know beyond that what what your aspirations were that's a really good question because at, at that age i didn't have aspirations I, I suppose you know when i when i look at um back in the 80s um when you think of what you know not many people of color let me be candid or not many people i knew of color went to university mm-hmm. they just didn't and the the notion that you could even aspire to go wasn't even a thought so I never sat there as a sort of 15 16 year old thinking by the age of x I want to be doing y I just knew I wanted to be doing something that involved service and customer I just absolutely knew that and deep down in a very perverse way I always knew I wanted to be the boss mm-hmm. Even at that age, there was something in me that made me realise that I wanted to be the boss. And, 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 and that's maybe because of circumstances, but I just knew that I wanted to, whatever it was, my aspiration was going to be to be the boss. And as you, as you mentioned at the beginning, we're celebrating Black History Month mm-hmm. this month, mm-hmm. uh, which obviously focuses on honouring the accomplishments of black Britons. Um, in, on that note, I'd be interested to learn, you know, what barriers you encountered early in your career and how you overcame them. I mean, it, it, barriers, obstacles, um, blockages, uh, too many. We, we, simply, we simply couldn't, we don't have enough time to go through what those challenges look and feel like. There has been so many. I don't see any of the challenges and obstacles and barriers that I've faced any different to those that my sons face today. The only difference is that I've built up the resilience and ability to be able to share with them. Maybe there's another way of looking at this. So some notable things that that, that spring to mind. I remember opportunities being given to my peers whereas those opportunities were never offered to me. And presumably you're talking about white peers. Of course. Yeah. And, 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 and even though I was outperforming them on every single matrix, the reality was it's that notional tap on the shoulder was never, was, was never for me. But, but look, the beauty about being the age that I am now is I've just got so much to look back on. And I think what we talk about developing a thick skin I talk about developing a thick thick skin in terms of your mind Mm -hmm. because the reality is irrespective of your position or purpose you are going to be faced with barriers and obstacles of all denominations very interesting Um, so going back to your your career I mean you talked about I was going to ask you what your first job is you told me what your first job is but I (laughs) And I, probably the first proper job is not the right way of putting it. Your first yes. adult job, shall we yes. put it like that? What, yes. How did you get, how did you, what was your first step so, on the, the, the business ladder? So interestingly, I, I had an interest in all things building and infrastructure. And I, I wanted to be an architect. 
But again, I go back to the 80s. I never ever saw anyone that looked like me that was an architect. I had a fascination with buildings, and I still do. And I, my first degree is in economics, and the reality was that was probably a harder degree to study than an architectural degree. But nevertheless, I decided to embark on a role as a trainee quantity surveyor. Mm-hmm. So I would spend my weekends when I was a student working as a site labourer because I wanted to understand the intricacies at, a front, at the first line level of what went on on a construction site, large-scale construction site. So I used to work as a labourer, not because I wanted to be a labourer, but, but I just wanted to understand the language at that level and build the relationship. Like shop floor. Uh, of course, yeah. yes, yes. And, uh, you know, the fetch me, carry me stuff. And, um, and that then led to me taking up a position as a trainee quantity surveyor. But interestingly, during the first um, couple of years of that opportunity, I made the transition from the trainee quantity surveyor across to the site manager. And it goes back to that, um, that 13, 14-year-old boy. I always knew I wanted to be the boss. So in my mind, I had this thing that the site manager is the boss. Is the boss. But the reality is there are bosses above the site manager. But but that was sort of my first step into management from a from a, a quite early start of my career. People, the psychology of people, managing the different tensions between the different trades, making sure that everybody's focused on the same common output and outcome of the site. And, and that is, itself is a science within itself. <laughs> so there you go. Good, good to hear. Um, the role of mentors um, and support from others is something that is often um, important in people's careers. What guidance did you receive uh, to help you get to, to get where you are? And are there any particular individuals um, that played a significant role in your career? There is. We talked, we talked about your 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 milkman, the yeah. milk round boss. But yeah. Who are the, yeah. Who are the influential? Figures? I mean, it, it would be wrong of me not to mention Wayne Short in 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 this in this uh, very important discussion. Wayne Short was the milkman. And um, whilst I was out delivering papers one morning, I saw him delivering milk and I just said to him, are you looking for an helper? And lo and behold, a week later he saw me and he offered me a job. And that gentleman instilled in me that work ethic and that discipline. So that's number one. I would have to say my parents, first and foremost, you know, importantly, because they gave permission for me to be out at that time of the morning, knowing the impact that that would have had on school. Yeah. So, so, so that's really important. I would say my faith through the church. So within the black community, the church is a, is, is a real bedrock in terms of something that would coalesce around. But when I think about in, 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 in work and business itself, I'm not afraid to say that I made lots and lots, and still do make lots and lots of mistakes. And I was very fortunate in 1999 to have been selected for a national leadership program. So they were looking for seven, seven people of colour because the government of the day wanted to develop leaders to work in the public sector 
at a very, very senior level. They knew there was a, an underrepresentation of people of colour. And through that programme, you, you were assigned a mentor. Now, that was 22, three years ago. And I was assigned a mentor, a gentleman called Wallace Sampson. And he has been my angel, my guiding light ever since. And to this day, I still see him on an informal basis for guidance and, 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 and direction in terms of my career. Fascinating. That's great to know. Um, looking, going back to your early life, um, looking back on those early days, what advice would you give um, to, to an 18-year-old growing up now? Yeah. Looking at back at, at yeah. your career. Yeah. There are two things you cannot Google. You cannot Google experience and you cannot Google success. There is no elevator to the top. You've got to take the stairs. Because the reality is, at every level of those stairs, there's something you have to learn that informs the next level. Now, the advice I would give is the same that I've given to my sons. Want it more than anything that you've ever wanted in your life. Commit to what you are doing and reap the benefits for the rest of your life. Because lions never turn when small dogs bark. They just continue. And the point that I'm making there is to an 18-year-old, there will be lots of distractions. Girls, partners, being out with your friends, all of those distractions. But the reality is, if you stay focused... Focus on what you want to achieve and be determined to do that. You'll reap the benefits. I, I suppose it's akin to that old Spanish saying, two keener pursuits of pleasures betrays a life of longing and envy. Very good. And then looking to your career now, um, what, what are the key ingredients that are needed to do your role? Oh, experience. Um... You know, there are things that one faces that are, those that have challenged me 10 years ago, I just simply would not have known what to do. You need a lot of experience. You need to be able to build and sustain effective relationships. You don't do that. You won't achieve things on your own. Sometimes you'll trip up and make mistakes, and I've made mistakes, and I'm guilty of making mistakes. But acknowledge those mistakes, learn from them, and make sure you move on from them. I think the final thing that I would say is, you've got to be willing to take risks, because we are just custodians. The reality is, at some point in our lives, when the Lord Jesus Christ is ready for us, we're going to hand the baton over to someone else. And you want to be able to pass that baton on in a better position than, the, than, than, than what you received it. And I, you know, even, even now when I am fortunate enough to, to speak to people who are looking for what their next opportunity may look like, and I'm, I do mentor people, try and be the very best version of you, even when others are trying to portray you in a different way. Continue to be the best version of you. You, you, and you spoke about 
mentoring other others. So you know, I'd be interested to know, you know, what you are doing to to inspire others. Yeah, um, it, it, it 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 sort of goes back to that 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 twelve year old. I don't want. I didn't want it for my sons, and I don't want it for anyone else's children. I don't want them to have the challenges and obstacles that I faced. Of course they're going to have them, but I want them to be slightly different. So from a very early point of my career where I've been able to influence, I've advocated for apprenticeships for hard-to-reach groups. I've developed training programs that have won national awards. I've been on boards at the request of the Prime Minister where I've influenced government policy that informs organisations in terms of how you create best practice for young people. I work for Robert Peston's charity, Speakers for Schools. So I'm in schools across the UK, speaking to sixth formers, speaking to students about what it takes. Because I don't know how you got here today. I took a train and walked. You may have come in the car, but the reality is we both got here. So I don't tell people how to get there. I just share with them the importance of the destination. And, you know, that is my way of saying I want to give back. And, and, and you know, I do mentor. I mentor MBA students. I do some work as an alumni of Cambridge. I do some work with MBA students there. I serve on, on the council of a university where I live. That's my way of being directly accessible to students because I want to be um, a role model to them. I offer and facilitate workplace opportunities for graduates who are looking for work experience. So whether that's through my own networks or I'm able to open doors elsewhere. So I'm doing, I'm, I'm actually practicing what I preach. And that is why in 2018, 2019, I was named as one of the most influential black business leaders in, in housing because they described me as someone who was practically doing something to create the next generation of leaders. And I think that's about me saying, I want to give all of this experience back to others. Amazing. Um, clearly you're now at the peak of your, your chosen profession, although you might feel that you can go even higher, but you know, you're at the, at the top of your profession. Um, what, presumably you still face challenges. I think I would answer that by saying, and, uh, and I say this with the greatest level of respect, I don't buy into this, you're at the top. Mm -hmm. I don't buy into this notion, you're at the peak. I'm fulfilling a purpose. And I will go where God asks me to be, where he feels I can make a difference. Now, am I in a position now that is greater than the position I was in when I was 23, 24? Of course I am. But the reality is I'm here to serve. And wherever, whoever, whatever that looks like, I'm here to serve. Understood. Um, if we circle back to um, Black History Month, um, can I, I mean, you, you spoke about it up front, but I would be interested to hear more about uh, what it means to you. It, it, it means more than you'll ever know. Um, it, here I am, sat having a discussion with you during Black History Month. 
I want you to just for a minute imagine saying to a 12-year-old, in 43 years, you will be sat telling your story to an audience. You, 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 you wouldn't even conceive that. And I look at, I look at the generation of black people that have come before me. You know, one of my greatest inspirations is Martin Luther King. I have pictures in my office, in my home, of Martin Luther King. I look at what he sacrificed. I look at what my grandparents and my parents sacrificed for me. To some, in, in some shape or form, George Floyd's death was a form of sacrifice because it completely changed the way the world views people of colour. And as tragic as his passing was, he will never be forgotten. And so it w black history means not just looking back on history and paying a tribute to those that have gone before us, but looking forward to the future generations and saying to them, you have got, you have got boots to fill of a significant size. How are you preparing yourself for that? Because nothing will, nothing ever just falls in our lap, nothing. There's just no such thing. The reality is where we still have to do better and so much better, in my opinion, to get equal, to get some form of recognition. And have things, I mean, clearly, way to go, that's, but have things got better, um, particularly in your industry from, you know, or industries from the start of your career to this point? I think the dial has turned, but that doesn't mean the volume's gone down. Mm -hmm. The dial has turned. I think um, you wouldn't expect me to sit here today and say everything is perfect. But when I look back half a century, it's better than what it was. You know, I'll tell you stories about when I went out as a young man and was chased by groups of, you know, quite frankly, white men calling us niggers and black bastards. Mm -hmm. That is seared in my mind. I don't want that happening for my sons, but conversely, I don't want it happening for your children. And w what I'm saying to you is, the dial has turned but that doesn't mean the volume has gone down. And then my final question is um, just, I, you know, obviously we're sat in the IOD. Um, I'd just like to ask you a little bit about the IOD. You know, why did you join um, and what does it mean to you? I joined because I wanted to be an excellent version of what directors stand for and represent. And I'm still on that journey. Um, I said to you as part of the discussion, I've made and make mistakes. But the beauty about being in the IOD is you are, you, you are in the engine room of knowledge. So you are constantly learning and you are, in effect, um, an advocate for that. As the chairman for the Yorkshire North East region, that adds us a certain level of additional responsibility. And it's not a responsibility I take lightly because you then become the ambassador almost, the face of 
the, the institute, so you want to be the best version of the institute that you can. But, but let, let me also be honest. I'm also using it as an opportunity to reach out to and speak to a black audience to encourage them to become members. Because, you know, the IOD have still got work to do in, in that space. I've just been with your Director General, having that very same conversation, rolling up my sleeve, looking at what we can do at a macro level that influences what goes on at a micro level. But I think finally, it's a privilege to be a part of an institute like this. You know, when you look at the rich history of this organisation and what it represents and the many, many, many national and international business leaders that have been through these doors, to be in the same room as them is akin to what's it like to be last in first class. You're still in there. <laughs> and I think the reality is it's a great place to be. Well, thank you, Delroy. That's been fascinating, fascinating and insightful. Um, and um, you know, you are a welcome addition to this role model series. Thank um, you. And um, yeah, I've, I've really enjoyed the discussion. Thank you so much for thank joining you. us. Um, and yeah, thank you very much. Cheers. Welcome. We hope that you've enjoyed this Director Role Model podcast. Please do subscribe to our channel to ensure that you are kept up to date with the latest podcasts. You can find out more about our work on iod.com forward slash news and on our LinkedIn and Twitter profiles. Thank you.